0: giant robots smashing into other giant robots
1: this is the giant robots smashing into other giant robots podcast where we explore the design development and business of great products i'm your host chad pytel and with us today is christy wallace ceo of elevate network christy thanks for joining us
0: thanks so much for having me on the podcast chad this is exciting
1: oh it's my pleasure So we were introduced through someone in our New York City studio. It was the first I had heard about Elevate Network, but I was excited to learn about it. So can you tell our listeners what Elevate Network actually is?
0: I would be happy to. Elevate is a global community of Women at Work. And it's really about tapping into the, you know, longstanding rule. It's, it's who you know, uh, that opens doors, connects to opportunities, to jobs, to advice, to insights, to funding, whatever that is that you're looking for. It, it oftentimes comes through your network. And we are here to create a strong network to help women succeed in the workplace. And that transcends both in-person local communities and an online digital community of over 150,000 women.
1: So you joined Elevate in 2013, right? Yes. So what brought you to Elevate in the first place? Or or how did you learn about it?
0: I'd actually, I'd been a member of Elevate. And I joined the community earlier in my career. Uh, I spent about nine years at a company called Vault.com, which was in the career media space. And at the time, when I joined Vault back in the late 90s, early 2000s, we really focused on how we create communities for job seekers, where we're sharing information about what it's like to work at companies, what it's like to interview, and to really create that type of dialogue. We had rankings and guides and uh, message boards. And I ran revenue operations. And so when you're in sales and, and business development, it's, it's about working the network. So I had joined Elevate at the time because I really wanted to broaden and expand my network. And also because I was somewhat younger when I started managing a team, I, I just needed to learn from others. I, I felt a little insecure and it was a big step. So I joined Elevate at that time, later transitioned into the founding team of a startup Called Zeal in the health and wellness space, and as you know, a founding team member at a startup, you want to connect with the startup ecosystem, and you want to talk about your business and you want to get it out there. So, continue to leverage Elevate during that time. It was a great resource for me to really build that that network and that community. And then when I was ready for the next step, I really thought, okay, what do I want to do? And I love the idea of communities. I love the idea of connecting and meeting people and learning from others very passionate about equality. And I happened to meet what was then the owner of the company, Sally Krawcheck. She She is still the owner, but she had just bought the business. And I met her and she said, I want to hire you. And I said, okay. So <laughs> it was a lot of, <laughs> it, it was networking that got me uh, in the door, but uh, something I've always really relied on in my personal and professional life.
1: So, over the years since then, in the first couple of years, you moved from your business development role to COO and then to CEO. How was that transition from those roles?
0: It was pretty seamless. Mm -hmm. When I had first started, uh, we were, I think, a team of three or four. It was a really small team and really just trying to figure out where the business was going. It had been around for Almost 20 years, but it just been growing organically over time. And you know, I coming in with my background was able to really see the vision of how do we take what a you know quote unquote traditional professional network and this word of mouth. Uh, you know, there's many out there by industry, by function, by geography. But how do we take this and really take it to the next level? How do we disrupt this? How do we really tap into? a different way of thinking in the business and really leveraging the changing landscape of how we're creating community and connections in a digital space. So Mm -hmm. for me, when I first came in, it was really uh, tasked with rebuilding our web platform and the tools and resources around that. We, we branded company, we were formerly 85 broad. So we we rebranded as elevate and thinking about the, a lot of the foundational architecture there When I moved into the COO role, then we're starting to layer in more of the the strategic vision, the operations, our customers, our value proposition, the marketing, building out the team. And then once we were really moving fast in that direction, I took on the CEO role, uh, more of that external facing thought leadership space. But I would say I still probably drive everyone nuts with uh, the operational side of things because it's it's something I've always found <laughs> fascinating. And I was an English major in school growing up. And so the business side of things is I'm, I'm a late bloomer in that area and I love it.
1: I noticed that your background was in finance and operations. And I was going to ask whether you still get involved in that. It sounds like you can't help yourself. <laughs>
0: I, I cannot help myself. I think in, as you develop into a leader of an organization, you know very little about a lot of things. So I'm a ferocious learner. I love to, to learn more things and to you know tap into the expertise of those around me. So that's always great fun. But yeah, I mean, I was an English and sociology major when I went to school. I went to Villanova. And when I graduated, you know, and this was back before the internet had really Taken off. Um, I had faxed a lot of resumes, and the standard questions were, well, "What do you want to do? You're going to go to law school? You're going to be a teacher? You're going to go into marketing?" And none of that was really what I had wanted to do, and I wasn't quite sure. And I happened to come up to New York and met a recruiter, and he said, "I have this job for an investment bank. You should go into banking." And as as anyone who hears that story is like, "What?" But <laughs> um, it was my Background writing and also through sociology, doing a lot of the research and due diligence and dem- demographics and looking at trends. That was a great combination for the role within this bank, writing pitch books and doing some of the research around the market sizing. So it was great. I, I loved it, but certainly found, you know, and I think we don't really know where we're going to thrive until we're, we're there and we're living and breathing in the environment. And so I found that working for bigger sort of more corporate environments wasn't as exciting for me. I really like the startup mindset or, you know, that type of tech, moving fast, innovation is where I thrive more. So I moved over after about a year to join the team at Vault.
1: Now, is equality something that you've been interested in your whole career, or does it come from the experiences that you had?
0: It's certainly been something I've been involved in and thought about for quite some time, I think it really hit me hard when I moved to New York City after school. I'd grown up in an area, you know, a small town, and graduated in a class of 60 kids from high school, and we were all pretty similar.
1: That sounds familiar. Not to interrupt, but um, my my graduating class was 62, so...
0: (laughs) Oh, yes. we, We are kindred spirits in that way. But yeah, I mean you know what you know until suddenly you're exposed to something different. So moving mm-hmm. into the city. I mean I I just remember the first December leaving the office and was like, Merry Christmas, everyone and you know, they had to pull me inside and say, Christy, not everyone, you know, celebrates that and you know, let's let's tone it down a little bit. But I loved it. You know, I think it was just like my eyes were wide open and I was taking in, you know, so many different aspects of you know, just culture and different ways of being and living and narratives and stories. And so from there, when I was at a Vault, we started doing a number of research projects around diversity in professional services. So law, banking, consulting, we were doing these research guides where companies were self-reporting diversity information. And this is probably back in like 2003, 2004. So we had hundreds of companies that would fill out a form that was listing, you know, how many women, how many people of color, LGBTQ, what are the programs that they're doing. So breaking it down. And then we did that research report every year. And the catalyst for it was to one, we had a lot of general counsels of major companies who were saying we want diverse teams working on our matters, on our legal matters, and we want to put our money where our mouth is. We want to hire firms that are really making strides in diversity. And we started doing this research report and you could see year after year how things were progressing and things weren't progressing. They're staying pretty much the same and, and the industry as a whole wasn't doing great. So we thought, okay, how do we change this? And we had created a series of diversity career fairs within the legal space. And we brought in thousands of students and all the top firms. And really, I remember that day just feeling so just overjoyed at the number of connections we were making at how we were going to really be a driver and a catalyst for changing this landscape. And at the end of the day, I talked to one of our partners at a law firm and said, this was great. This was so exciting and you must be so happy. And he was like, eh, and I'm like, what, what, what do you mean? Uh? And he said, well, you know, we tend to only hire students from these schools that are in the top percent of the class. And so the pool we're really looking at is very small and consequently, you know, very undiverse. Um, Cause when you look at yep. you know the privilege and access to opportunities that will even get you into those schools. And, and so really it was, you're trying to create change in an environment that isn't open to change, you know. Yep. The firms were saying they wanted more diversity, but yet they weren't changing the way that they thought about it, you know. And and so that was a kind of a big eye opener for me about ways that I could do more and do better and support the job seekers and to, you know, really try and change the business from the inside, which is what we're doing here at Elevate, which is, you know, working with corporate partners, working with the employees within those organizations to really look at how we can disrupt that landscape and that thinking.
1: Are there ways in which the Elevate Network is different than other networks besides just being for women?
0: Yeah, there's a a few ways that we're different. You know, one is just the sheer size of our network. We are cross-industry, we're cross-geography, cross-function, women at all career stages. And so you'll oftentimes see networks that are more focused on a specific customer avatar if it's specific industry or people working in a specific area yep. or you know millennials or senior women in business whatever that may be so we're really looking at the whole ecosystem and for us it's important because you know especially now our professional lives are ever evolving and they're changing at a much more rapid pace the pathway is not always clear we are switching industries, you know, we are oftentimes going out and reinventing ourselves and starting businesses later on in our career. And so when you have that type of community that you can tap into, regardless of what you need at any time, that becomes really powerful. You're not having to go out every time and build new relationships and start over again. So you have already have that community there for you. And we think a lot about that, about, you know, being able to help women find the peers they want to connect with. We think about how, you know, as their needs change, they can always find those resources. But we also think about the power of diversity of, of thought and diversity of background and experience for really creating disruption within individual careers and companies. We have a program called our squads program. Which is something else that differentiates us is, you know, what is that intersection between the in person connections and the digital connections and how are we able to build relationships that transcend an in-person event or meeting through to, you know, a digital space and not just, you know, hey, we're connecting on some platform, but we're building deep relationships. We're really getting to know each other. We're really supporting one another. So it's got to go deeper than just this surface level. And our squads program is one way in which we do that. It's an online peer mentoring program Groups of six to eight women who will meet over the course of 12 weeks. It's half an hour a week, so low time commitment. It's online video chat, so you can do it from anywhere, which is great. And it's really centered around tapping into the expertise of other women at similar stages, Uh, To help you move forward. So there's a set curriculum and a lot of discussion and a lot of advice and sharing. But what we've found is that at the end of that program, and 5,000 women have gone through it so far, 80% have said they're more confident in taking that next step in their career. So they have a clearer direction, they have that confidence, they're moving forward. And 78% said that they were exposed to ideas and innovations that they never even imagined. And that's really when you take that diversity of community, you put them together, and, and we know research proves that this is powerful within business as well, mm-hmm. when you put the, those teams together, new ideas form, new innovations, you're disrupting the thinking, the status quo, and that's really opening up the opportunities for everyone.
1: And for the squads, you're forming those teams, right? Elevate is helping to form those, those squads of people and making a mix that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So we've tapped into you know obviously technology to help drive this. So we have you know set algorithm that will match the groups of women. You know, primarily we're first looking at where they are in their careers or career stage. If they're in a specific region, we try to geographic region, we'll try to do some grouping there. But yeah, we'll match the women and then you know the program runs a few times a year. That's been great. That's that's a really powerful program. We have other ways within our platform too, that we're making deeper connections for women based on your interests, based on your affiliations, or more importantly, based on your goals. So we find that the traditional online profile is pretty standard name, title, rank. Mm -hmm. And we really want to move beyond that, particularly because we are such an action-oriented community, to What is it that I'm offering to the community? What do I have expertise in? And what is it that I need from the community? What am I searching for? So you could say, well, I'm an expert in getting on a board. I'm I'm on a board. I sit on one and I'm happy to give you advice on how to do that. But I'm looking for someone who knows how to start a company because I have an idea and I'm working in corporate America and I want to start a business and I don't know where to get started. So we really look to make those connections based on what you need and what you're able to offer. It comes back to this whole concept of it's just an ecosystem, and it's ever-moving, it's ever-evolving, and our lives are ever-moving and evolving. And if we are able to always find those little pockets of growth within that larger ecosystem, that's pretty powerful, and it's something that can be really transformational.
1: That's cool. It sounds like the online component is a big part. It sounds like that was one of the big projects that you took on when you first joined Elevate, how have you approached building out that platform to meet the needs of what you're trying to do?
0: We did it in a few ways. you know, so we have an offline component. We do about a thousand events a year when I had come in that it was a very fragmented structure. There was not consistency across the board. It tended to be a lot of one off heavy lift type events, and so we thought a lot about you know why do you have events, how are you helping to facilitate? Connections at events, who's attending, what do they need, and particularly when you have a very diverse customer base, you know, women at different career stages, there's some themes that appeal to everyone, and there's others that could be more impactful in smaller groups. Mm -hmm. So we thought there about, all right, what are the ways in which we create opportunities for smaller groups to form within, you know, this in-person space? We do things around mentoring, um, we do leadership luncheons where we're getting senior women together together. And that really helped to inform, you know, it's a live testing environment. And we got tons of feedback and talked to our community quite a bit. But it helped to inform, you know, why are we making connections? What are we looking to get out of the connections? How does that need evolve over time? How does your engagement change when things are going great or, you know, you're busy at work, you don't have time for networking versus when there's the need and how are you able to find what you want? So that really started to build out within our, our platform because we were hearing from women as well, which is we're busy, we're traveling, got lives, interests, and it's hard to be out there going to events all the time. Yep. You know, those in-person connections are powerful, but it's also you feel like there's gotta be a better way. And that's where we thought, okay, you know, what's working in online networking today? you know, how are the normal consumer engaging in that space, or the, the normal user? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, there's a few hyper engaged who are posting or sharing or engaging. And then there's a huge number, something like 80, 90% that are, are more passive, they're watching, you know, you kind of have to be invited into the conversation. And it's always if you ask for volunteers versus if you intentionally invite someone, how mm-hmm. does the uptick change? So we thought, okay, let's create these smaller groups um, that feels like it's a safer space, you know, and what is that, that right number of mix? We thought a lot about that because sometimes if it's a big group, you're less inclined to speak up and, you know, how we were just create a system so that they were really building deeper connections. So, you know, we spent time and what are the mechanisms? What is the content and the structure of these squads programs? What is the right number of people to invite You know, how do we really set this up to scale was important to us. We know we have a large community. We wanted to do something that could easily scale. Um, And it could be 300 or it could be 300,000 and we could do it. And so it came back to, you know, just listening to your customers, learning And trying to think about the business differently, trying to think about it in a way that wasn't being done. And what did I personally like about building online networks and communities and what resonated with me and, you know, just testing. We did a lot of testing, uh, Mm -hmm. early days, learned along the way, and, and we continue to do it. So every time we go through a new cycle of squads you know we always have our NPS survey we're always hearing from our community and we share that feedback broadly with the whole company because it's it's really about you know listening to that customer what's working for them what's having the impact and how are you always pushing yourselves to do it better
1: In terms of the actual technical execution of the platform, did you build a team that's working on that? Did you use off-the-shelf components and then build on top of that? How how did you do that?
0: We do have an internal team, and they're excellent. They're really great. And we tapped into a few off-the-shelf, I mean, more just for you know, how we have one-on-one conversations and ways that we uh, can engage in a smaller group. We, of course, use uh, integration for the video conversation platform. Mm-hmm. But a, a good bit of it has been built internally by our teams. You know, I think it, it just came down to kind of our our business needs and where we think the business is going, being able to, you know, really do something that is scalable and different and creating the solution for our customers that they're not finding elsewhere.
1: Yeah. You mentioned that the company was about 3 people when you got started. What does it look like today?
0: We are about 30 today, so still growing, but it's significantly been, bigger
1: percentage-wise yes, than when you joined.
0: It is. Yeah. And it's it's pretty interesting growing a business that is so mission focused because we have really been able to attract a team that cares so much about what we're doing and cares so much about our customers. And, you know, our biggest source of inspiration just comes from the people that come to work every day, you know, and Mm -hmm. have ideas and are really living the professional lives that our customers are and, and feeling those experiences firsthand, so that that's been really lovely, and and we focus, of course, with our team on uh, diversity as well. You know, we we practice what we preach, and have found that to be. I mean, you, you can't undervalue how important it is to have a number of different people at a table, and they're each coming at it through a different lens or a different perspective, coming at the problem and coming up with unique and different solutions. And then the convergence of all of those solutions is what's going to be really transformational and what's going to push you to do better. So we've I've enjoyed very much growing the company and being able to see how our future shapes, not just through my eyes, but through everyone who works alongside me every day.
1: Is there anything that as you've grown the team, you've run into diversity or inclusion or equality challenges that surprised you that you didn't expect? And you, you say, I, I can't believe we're having this problem.
0: Not off the top of my head. I'm sure we have. Um, I think everyone does. You know, for me, the biggest challenge, well, actually there's two things. So one is, is communication and, mm-hmm. and that happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we tend to hire people that are like us. Right, this mini-me syndrome where we have a similar background, or we communicate in a similar way. We like to do the same stuff. We immediately build connections with people that are like us, and so communication is a little bit easier then because you're similar enough and have that rapport. And I think so much about the power, both for good and evil, of having a manager or a leader who doesn't fully understand how to really. Think about communication within their teams. There's uh, this book that I think it's the Seven Love Languages, and it talks about when you're in a relationship with someone, or, or family, or friends, whatever, you tend to express love in one way, and you tend to understand that you're loved in, in a different way. And so, I may be someone who just says it all the time. I'm like, "I love you," "I love you," "I love you," <laughs> but my friend may think that that means nothing and it's just words right. and they understand that they're loved by someone just doing a kind act for them. And it goes through just how in everyday relationships, there can be a disconnect between what you think you're saying, what someone's hearing and vice versa. And so as, as managers and as leaders, and particularly when you're working within a diverse environment, you have to be really intentional and put the time and effort into Building those communication channels and understanding how your team, you know, is best motivated and and best understands the needs and the asks and is communicated to and, and vice versa, you know, how they communicate back to you. It's someone could be just a very straight shooter and just say what they think. And if that's not how you like to be you know, spoken to, then suddenly you're, oh, this person's disruptive, this person's not a good fit. Mm-hmm. And that particularly when we're talking about diversity and, and people coming from different backgrounds and growing up in different areas and communicating differently, that's an important thing to think about uh, is how we are able to create an environment where all those voices are heard and given the same amount of credibility and support. So that that's one thing. I would say the other thing that we've learned, particularly around working in an environment like ours, is there's so much that's happening in the world that impacts us on a personal level. You know, if it's mm-hmm. violence, if it's the environment, if it's politics, whatever it is, there's a lot that really affects us as, as human beings. But when we go into the workplace, we feel that we can't bring that with us. You know, it has to stay outside. Yep. And that makes it really hard to show up at work, you know, if you are really suffering, you know, because of something that's happening in our world and you can't talk about that at work or you're surrounded by people that just are completely unaware that that, you know, school shooting happened or that. You know, this abortion ban is happening or whatever it is, it's affecting you. And we've created uh, safe spaces to have those conversations. We do community hours every week. And that's a great way for our employees to really dictate what's on their mind. How do they talk about it with each other? Be able to be vulnerable, be able to share what they're thinking um, and to get that support from their peers and it's just breaking down those walls, creating those opportunities for us to fully be ourselves in the workplace and to create allegiances and allies and support that is so critical for uh, ensuring that you know we're inclusive and, and everyone has equal opportunity to succeed.
1: You do angel investing? I do. How do you make sure that the companies that you're involved with Either align with your values and and you know the th- kinds of things you're doing at Elevate, or they don't erode that over time. So
0: I play a number of roles in that space. You know, I believe obviously in in the power of changing the status quo. We know that two percent of VC funding goes to women. Point two percent goes to women of color. Yeah. Um, so. I'm aiming to change this, not just through my work, but through my own personal actions, put my money where my mouth is. And, and because I believe in that investment, I believe it's going to be a great investment. So one, uh, I went through a program called Pipeline Angels, which I would highly recommend, there's others, 37 Angels and a number of these programs that help one for you to understand how to be an investor, go through the due diligence, understand the landscape then actually you invest in a company at the end of that program. So Pipeline Angels is specifically investing in women and non-binary fem social enterprises And uh, through the due diligence process, we got to know the founders. We um, invested in a company, Wethos, which is a great company. Uh, We're still very engaged as investors, get the updates, always there as as a mentor and advisor to support. I'm an advisor to a number of startups, various, you know, may just be one conversation or it may be a number. But, you know, I think really tapping into that landscape and understanding who are the players out there, how can you support them? And then I'm also an investor in Portland, Portfolio, which is a fund, and their femtech fund. It's something I'm personally passionate about, and so I, I sit on all the diligence calls and i am actively engaged in what we're investing in, and hope to to do more um, as you know financial yeah. security permits. But um, <laughs> it's we yeah, we all have so much insights. Every single person listening to this this podcast, and, and I hear all the time people like, "I have nothing to share," and and it's not true. We each have such different experiences, different insights, expertise, and it's really powerful when we're able to give back to others and to support their growth and their success. And I know, you know, life is busy and we've got a lot of going on and we have other priorities. But how much better will this world be if we Think more about what we're doing to support others, to help them accelerate their growth, to help them succeed, and then how that really always comes back full circle into our own personal development and growth. So it's been something important to me to be involved in that in the startup space to support entrepreneurs. And I'm also on a number of boards that you know tie into my interests as well and in, in looking to share my expertise to share. My money, my network, uh, my passion. So I do a lot with the Girl Scouts in New York. It's over 35,000 girls in New York City, more than half who live under the poverty line. And they have some great programs aimed at leadership development. They have a whole institute where girls learn to code, where they build businesses, they pitch them, they're high school girls. And so I've been mentoring and supporting that effort. So a number of organizations looking at workforce pipeline development, um, particularly for underserved communities and for veterans.
1: So what I'm hearing is that there are so many opportunities within the niches beyond just the general community that if you want to focus and you want to have an impact on the world, in a positive way, you can, you've been able to find the angel investing group or the network or the Girl Scouts, that all of these opportunities are there. People just need to seek them out and, and find them and contribute.
0: Exactly. I couldn't have said it better.
1: <laughs> well, you did say it. I just, uh, I just parroted it back. Um, so speaking of doing good, one of the things I noticed is that Elevate Network is a certified B Corp. I'm guessing a lot of people don't actually know what that is who are listening. So, you want to tell people what that actually is?
0: I'd love to. Uh, So, B Corps are for profit businesses focused on doing social good. You still have a standard LLC or or corporation uh, status. So, you know, it's a company layered on this certification of a B Corp. And to be certified, you go through. A pretty rigorous test, which is a great test, and I'll tell you why. Um, So the test is really looking at your business through a different lens. How are you for the environment? How are you for underserved populations, for your workforce, for your local community? What are all these ways in which you are building a business that is making money, that's innovating, that's doing great things, but also a great place to work and great for the world? And we found that going through that process of doing the assessment, It really helped us to build a better business too, to think about different benefits for our employees, to think about other ways we could support the environment. I mean, we rent space and, you know, we're more of a tech company, but it's, there's always something you can do to push your business forward further. So we went through the process. We are a certified B Corp. For those that may not know other companies that are B Corps, there's Eileen Fisher, there's Patagonia, Athleta. Ben & Jerry's, Warby Parker, Uh, so the whole number of companies that are doing great work. Um, And depending on the industry and what you do, you're thinking about how you give back, your workforce, your supply chain, really the impact of every part of your business on our world. It's a great community to be a part of. Actually, last week was with 120 B Corp women CEOs at at Eileen Fishers. And we spent a lot of time talking about the role we play as business leaders in changing the world. What are the issues we care the most about and how are we able to, as a community, make movement on those issues? And so as a business leader, it's been great to tap into that network, not just to think of my business through a different lens not just to have that support, but to really feel like we are creating change and you know that businesses have such a powerful role to play within our society in terms of how we run our business and how we think about it. And it doesn't mean you don't make money and it doesn't mean that you're not pushing the envelope. It means you're really doing great work as you do it.
1: Have you been part of a B Corp before or was this something that was new for you at Elevate?
0: So it's new for us at Elevate. I had known about the community when I was at Zeal prior Mm -hmm. to this. It was something that the founder, Samer, and I had spent some time talking about it and looking at it because similarly at Zeal, which is in-home massage on-demand, we uh, were thinking so much about this very fragmented community of health and wellness providers and customers and how we, you know, it's back to that theme of community, which I feel like is, has interwoven everything mm-hmm. I've done, but how are we creating those connections and doing it in a way that was different, that was scalable, that was, you know, really impactful, but creating opportunity for these solo practitioners to be in a safe environment, to manage their business, to scale their business, to make more money, consistent money. There was a lot of benefits that happened there. So it was during that time when we were really thinking intentionally about this community and business building that someone had mentioned the B Corp certification to us and I actually as the you know operations lead within Zeal was looking into the certification when I left the company so mm-hmm. I was excited to continue that process here at Elevate Cool was it difficult It it is yeah I mean I'm not going to lie it is the certification as many different parts, and there's a lot of questions. I think that it sort of depends on how <laughs> how much access you have to all that data. But it was worth it, as I said. I mean, I did it. I think over a couple weeks, and it wasn't full time. A couple weeks. It was just I would, you know, log into the assessment here yeah. and there when I had the time. Um, I know that the B Lab, which is the organization that administers the B Corp certification, they have a lot of tools and resources for companies to tap into, as well as you know, experts that can help you with the assessment. But the hardest thing about it, to be honest, was really reading questions and not being able to answer the way I wanted to answer. Yeah. So, you know, and I was like, oh, no, no, we should be doing better. We should be doing this different. And so it was hard because I had a notepad next to me with all these, okay, we have to do this better. We have to do this better. And we did when we took the assessment the first time, I forget what our score was, maybe 80 or something, which means nothing to your listeners, but yeah. there's you know, there's transparency around the scores and where you fall.
1: So ThoughtBot's not a B Corp, but we've taken the assessment before because that we've discussed it. And it's something that's really interesting to me. And so if you want to learn more, there's like a handbook and you can do the assessment. If I'm not mistaken, you can do the assessment online for free in sort uh, yeah. of like the yeah. scratch version, right? You know, where you're not mm-hmm. actually getting certified, but you're just doing it for yourself.
0: Yes, yeah, you absolutely they've got a whole online assessment. It's really easy to use and it's great and there's tons of great information out there and I'm sure anyone in the B Corp community including myself would love to talk more about it. But the first year we did it, you know, we had one score and then when we recertified a few years later our score went up immensely. And I was really proud of that. You, know, you talk about as a business leader, what are some of those moments that uh, you'll look back and on, on, on be happy about? And that was one of them because you know, we had really made strides to build a business that was doing great things for employees and for the world. And during that time, we grew exponentially from a revenue standpoint too. And so you're just kind of believing very much in the power of for-profit businesses doing social
1: good. That's great. So I know you have to go to a board meeting, right? <laughs> I do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. So thanks so much for joining me and, and sharing everything that you've accomplished. I wish you and Elevate Network the best of luck as you continue to grow. And I hope we can be a small part of that by spreading the word a little bit. If people want to find out more, where's the best place for them to do that?
0: Check us out at elevatenetwork.com. It's two L's, so E-L-L-E. That's the trick, Yes. E-L-L-E-V-A-T-E network.com. You can also find my podcast, Elevates Conversations with Women Changing the Face of Business. We're at all places where podcasts are found, including Elevate Network's website. And that's just a, it's similar to this. So if you, if you like ThoughtBot and you're inspired by what you hear here, check out the Elevate conversations with women changing the face of business where we just hear from women across industries and, and different places in their career, sharing their stories about how they got to where they are and where they're going
1: next. That's great. And you can subscribe to this show and find notes for this episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm. And you can find me on Twitter at CPITel. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Tom Obarski. Thanks for listening and see you next time.
0: This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. We are experienced designers and developers who turn your idea into the right product. With local studios in Boston, San Francisco, New York, London, Austin, and Raleigh, let's build something great together.